Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. What, what did you like about Julian Phillips? Well, you know, I, you know, our group <laughs> liked him. He's uh, not a good answer. You know, ex McDonald's. You know, yeah. All American, uh, freshman, nineteen years old, uh, multi-positional defender. Athletes in uh, in the draft, 43-inch vertical, and Sick. you know he can step in uh, right now. You know probably can defend uh, on our level, but he has a lot of things obviously to improve. And but we're looking forward to. He's very young and has he's very talented. AK talking about the newest member of the Chicago Bulls, Julian Phillips. Six eight, Grody. That's what we do now. Six eight, forty three inch vertical. People keep talking about it a lot, uh, but he has a seven foot wingspan. <gasps> he's from Tennessee, and he has a forty. Yeah, it and is he's nineteen. I like saying stuff like that. It's always fun when yeah. you have a player like a lot. You get a lot of this in the draft with offensive linemen and defensive. The wingspan, man, that's fun when a wingspan stands out. But we also heard that he's a work in progress. Yeah, that is without a question. WIP. Oh, I like yeah, that. He's it, yeah. All right. Uh, right now, we get to talk about that whip uh, <laughs> with our next guest joining us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, Chicago media legend, and host of the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast, which can be heard right here on the Odyssey Network, along with Stacey King. Of course, we're talking about none other than Mark Shanowski. Mark, I got to ask you this. Who do you think is going to play an NBA game first this year? Is it going to be Marco Simonovich or is it going to be Julian Phillips? Oh, so Before we get to that, I got I got to ask oh. Brody, what were you doing at Bulls Draft headquarters yesterday? Were you like <laughs> everyone is asking him that, or what's going on? Oh, it was I was just hanging out. I'll tell you what, Mark Shanowski, <laughs> it was good to see all the Bulls beats out there. Sam Smith and Casey yeah. Johnson, and oh, it, it was great. But no, we made the most of the situation, as did. Uh, Mark Shanowski, a lot of your brethren in television that were out yeah. there kind of doing the same thing that I was doing out there. Chilling. Yeah. <laughs> did, I, did I see Casey Johnson have a suit on? What was he thinking was going to happen? <laughs> I even had a sport coat on last night. Oh, there I you mean, go. You know, it, it still feels big, even though there was nothing big happening, at least in, in our little part of the world. Was it a disappointment to you, Mark, that they never moved into the first round or did anything splashy on draft night? 
No, because I didn't expect them to do anything. You know, obviously, AK at the end of the season said they still value their core and they still value continuity and they want to see what happens when everybody's together. But when you look back at last season, obviously the Lonzo Ball thing, well, basketball, it's a basketball tragedy in terms of a guy that's 24, 25 years old and huh. quite possibly may never play again. And, and the team with Lonzo Ball at the point looked like they really had something going a couple of years ago. You know, they were tied for the best record in the Eastern Conference at the All-Star break, and then Lonzo went down, and everything has been bad since then. So you can't really say that Arturis and Mark Eversley didn't have a good plan going forward. It's just that they have not come up with a strategy to pivot ever since Lonzo went down. And I think it was a, it was probably cathartic for AK to, to, to address the media after the draft yesterday and say, we don't expect Lonzo to play next year. So that's not that that kind of uh, thing hanging over the whole franchise is that, well, you know, if Lonzo gets back, this thing could really take off. I mean, they know going into this summer of free agency and possible trades that that's the only way they can improve. It's not like, uh, you know, Lonzo's going to put on a Superman cape and they're going to go back to 21-22 and have a great record again. Uh, so they're going to have to make some changes. The thing that I thought was interesting from AK's uh, spiel to the reporters was he was almost defiant. You know, when he was asked well, what kind of message you give the Bulls fans, he goes, well, tell them to wait until after free agency and then see what they think of our, of our team. You know, but I'm like, what what are you going to do with, you know, the mid-level exception, which you may not be able to use all of, and, you know, the uh, biannual exception? You're not going to get top-flight talent. You might be able to improve the team around the margins, but you're not going to add a huge difference maker with that kind of salary slot. And that's the most disappointing part is that, you know, people are going to be replaying that clip after free agency, Mark, and they're going to be holding AK accountable in that space. He did say he's going to address the point guard situation. He did say he's going to add shooting. But like you said, it it isn't going to be anything that's going to be significant enough to change the trajectory of the Chicago Bulls. But, you know, so so what does that hub look like? You know, because I'm sitting here, you know, obviously I'm no salary cap mastermind, so I'm just like any other fan. I'm like, Fred Van Vliet, bring him over, get him here. But obviously that's not a realistic uh, hope for the Chicago Bulls. So, so what does that look like if it's not pr- promoting one of your uh, guards from within to take that starting role? Well, there was an article written by Eric uh, Corrine of The Athletic who covers the Raptors, and he mentioned the Bulls as a possible landing spot for Fred Van Vliet. Obviously, a lot of people are familiar with this story. Rockford native uh, developed from a guy that was undrafted into becoming an NBA All-Star and he would be a great guy to play the point guard position here in Chicago. But the only way the Bulls could do something like that is if they got super creative in terms of signing trades. And one of the possible options for the Bulls, you know, uh, AK dodged the question. Well, actually did answer it about what, you know, would they possibly look at uh, trying to get out from under Lonzo's contract? And he said they're not considering applying to the league for relief at this point. Maybe there's a team out there that would take Lonzo's contract and then they would go to the league and apply for, you know, relief, you know, just to take the money off the books. That's That contract may have some value in that regard, mm. but, you know, that's the only way they could get to, like, a Fred Van Vliet slot because he's going to be looking to make about $30 million, in, you know, in a starting uh, salary for a multi-year contract. If you, if you use Lonzo's money and another contract, you could possibly get close enough to bring him in, but then you have to ask, why would Toronto want to help the Bulls in that way? You know, if they're going to they're going to commit thirty thirty million dollars to the point guard position, why wouldn't they just try to keep Fred Lundy? What did you think of uh, the Julian Phillips selection? And, and he, did it move you in any way, shape, or form? Have you learned anything about him that gives you hope that he may be a productive player in a Bulls uniform someday? 
it moved me to read a lot about who he was because <laughs> I watch a lot of basketball and I, I don't know. recall seeing Julian Phillips. Not that, you know, Tennessee is a high profile basketball program. You don't see a lot of them, you know, on national television. But, you know, that was not a name that I was looking at going into the draft. And when I originally saw him being picked in the second round before I knew he was coming to Chicago, I'm like, wow, that seems pretty early for a guy that, that didn't do much during his freshman year in college. Uh, but to answer the initial question that you gave me, he will definitely see the floor in an NBA game before Marco Simonovic. I think that I think Marco is probably going to end up going back to Europe because he has a non-guaranteed deal for this year. And because he doesn't really fit into their plans, they may just decide to let him see if he can chop himself to, to the best European offer that he can find. Uh, Phillips, I don't know too much about. The thing that, that, that puzzles me is when you read uh, you know, his, his statistics and, and listen to people who watch him play, it sounds like Dale and Terry all over again. And why would you want the same guy two years in a row? It's, that, that's the real head-scratcher to me. Uh, we're talking to Mark Shanowski, host of Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. Make sure you guys check it out on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Mark, as well as Stacey King taking care of that one. You brought up Dale and Terry, Mark. And, you know, you and I have had lengthy discussions about Dale and his skill set. I, I, I floated the wild idea that he could one day be a, a starting point guard in the league and, and on the Bulls specifically uh, to mirror that, that of what Lonzo Ball was doing to a certain degree. Like a poor man's Lonzo Ball. Good distributor, good defender, and hopefully he can work on a three-point shot the same way that Lonzo Ball did. Is that is that even a possibility? When you, I mean, you obviously called a lot of Dalen's games uh, for the Windy City Bulls, so you got to see him up close. You got to see what his talent could be when playing against his peers. Um, how likely of a scenario is that, if if possible at all? Yeah, to me, he's more of a Javante Green, Alex Caruso type player. You know, a guy who's going to be a defensive stopper, going to play the passing lanes, get you some baskets in transition. But right now his shot is needs a lot of work. Let's put it that way. Obviously the, the bulls made a move in that regard, bringing in Peter Patton to be a, a shooting coach. Every time I say Peter Patton, you want to say it, pick the pick, pick the peppers, but uh, more like uh, Peter, Peter Pan. Peter Pan. I, I think a grabber for some reason, every time I hear yeah, the name Peter yeah. Pan, I, yeah, but the Absolutely. way this guy shoots more like Peter Pan, he could fly like Peter Pan. That's a great grabber right there. <laughs> Yeah, it, you know, they're, they're going to work on his shooting form. And, and you know, I've wa- I watched him warm up between, you know, before games when he was playing, when he was assigned to Windy City. And his the problem is with a lot of young players that were able to get a lot of easy buckets in high school and in college on athleticism is that, you know, their mechanics and their shot aren't that great. And I think that, you know, in high school and AAU, if you can score, they're not going to worry about your shooting mechanics that well. And, you know, watching Dalen – Every shot looked a little bit different. You know, sometimes he'd have problems with his, his elbow flying out to the side. Sometimes he would he would hook his wrist and almost shoot a curveball jumper. And, you know, he was really fighting his form in terms of getting a consistent jump shot. And they're bringing in a shooting coach that will hopefully get him to smooth out his mechanics. There were times where, where he would make a couple of threes and, and then, you know, shoot an air ball on the next one. So that just shows that there's some inconsistency in his mechanics. And, and hopefully they can get him to the point where maybe that you could consider – using him in a primary facilitating role like Lonzo Ball. But Lonzo completely changed his shot from what it was at UCLA and, and when he came in with the Lakers. You know, he he had a shot where he, he kind of let it go from his waist and had a, a sideways follow-through. And, and they smoothed that out to the point where he became a really good three-point shooter. He was shooting over 40% with the Bulls before he got hurt. So Dalen's young. Uh, obviously, you know, you talk about Julian Phillips. 
he only took like a little over one three-point attempt per game as a 19-year-old kid at Tennessee, so I'm not going to condemn the, him to not being able to shoot. I think that you know, that's, an, that's an, a skill that you can improve on, and hopefully for both of these kids, uh, they'll get the coaching they need to become, if not very good shooters, at least a guy who can make an open three-point look in the NBA. I love asking basketball people about Victor Wembenyama because it's just interesting to hear the way people have described him. What, Mark Chanowski, do you think of the number one overall pick in this year's NBA draft? Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how quickly – He's going to become a star. You know, he, he he's got the uh, all the hype coming into the league at being somewhere between seven three and seven five and being able to shoot jumpers like Kevin Durant and you know come from the weak side and block shots like Ralph Sampson. Um, you know, he's got the physical tools to be something that's really special. But you worry about a kid who's that thin and, and who's going to get run at by a lot of NBA veterans who are going to try to you know prove that this kid isn't all that the, the hype makes him out to be. But the thing that makes him so intriguing is that. At at seven three plus, he's got the ball handling skills. He's got that Dirk Nowitzki one legged uh, fadeaway jump shot already perfected. He is going to be a devastating force on both ends. The question is just going to be, will he be able to handle up to the physical demands of an eighty two game NBA schedule? But I think with Greg Popovich as his coach to start, I think Pop will really help him make the adjustments to the NBA. And, and I think that you know he's always been the kind of guy that would never put the fate of the franchise on, on one player. So I don't think that there's going to be so much pressure lumped on his shoulders right away. And I don't think they're going to ask him to play 40 minutes a night. I think Pop will be careful in, in making sure that he's staying healthy. And, you know, if he's having a rough night, maybe tell him to sit down and watch for a little while. I think he, he's going into a great situation with San Antonio. They've had a lot of experience grooming international players in the past. And, and I think that eventually Wembenyama will clearly be one of the better players in the league. It'll be fun to watch. It'll also be fun to watch the next two guys that were taken off the board and uh, Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson. I personally thought Scoot was going to go number two. I mean, maybe because it was the drama that was surrounding Brandon, but I just think <clears throat> Scoot is one of those guards that the NBA salivates over, a high-flying, scoring guard that's electric, that can put butts in the seats. Um, what was your take? Did you think Brandon Miller was the clear-cut favorite over Scoot, or did you have uh, high praise of Scoot Henderson as well? Yeah, I thought that uh, Charlotte should have taken Scoot Henderson. I think clearly he was the second-best player available. Just a dynamic league guard. You know, he has some of the Derrick Rose, John Morant athleticism to his game where he can just, you know, he's got that extra gear going to the bucket, then he can rise up over big guys and just dunk over the top of them. You know, he'll have to prove that he can be a consistent three-point shooter over time, but he, but his shot looks good, and I, and I think that he's going to be a fantastic player in the league. You know, it's it's ironic that, Obviously, Michael's already planning his exit strategy in Charlotte with selling the team, but the fact that they let him and, and Mitch Kupchak decide on, on making that pick was was really baffling. You know, it's the classic old-school NBA thought that, well, we already have a point guard in LaMelo Ball, so we can't try to duplicate yeah. that skill set. And then Michael, you know, is example one of why you never should do that because the Trailblazers didn't want to duplicate True. Clyde Drexler <laughs> and took Sam Bowie. You know, so I mean, wow. obviously that's ancient history. But you know, he, he, you know, you take the best when you have a top five pick. You take the best talent available. Don't worry about position. Obviously, Portland had the same kind of situation with Damian Lillard, and they went ahead and gladly took Scoot, and then they'll figure it out later. But you know, Charlotte has made so many bad decisions in terms of draft and free agent signings. They've got some some decent players on that team, but they've, they've just been a mess in terms of roster construction. And you know, Michael's record. 
both as being an executive with the Washington Wizards and then being the principal owner in Charlotte has, has not been great. No, 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 Gabe. He won $4.9 yeah. billion. He won, Mark. He wins again. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yes. But it's not like he needed the money, yeah. you know? True. <laughs> oh, no, he needs the money. Well, like, after he yeah. drafted Adam Morrison, he said he got to recoup some of that stuff somehow. Hey, Mark, um, with the podcast, uh, the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast, do you guys usually take a break for the summer, or do you guys still t- uh, taking on guests? What's going on there? No, no, we'll we'll be doing a show uh, once a week throughout uh, the summertime. Matter of fact, we're planning to uh, visit the score and do a do a show at your uh, performance studio. Oh. Uh, that's coming up. That's coming up in uh, early August. I think August tenth. Oh. Sick, so, sick invite, Mark. Uh, I'll be there. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So we'll uh, we'll you know we'll hopefully get some of the score listeners to come out and uh, heckle us and ask some questions to Stacey. Oh, that's awesome, uh, man. So yeah, we we like to talk. Stacy likes to talk about all sports. Uh, you know, we like to talk about the Bears and Justin Fields, and we'll talk a little baseball if that makes any sense over the summer. But what we like to do in the summertime is to get some guys from Stacy's era. We had Craig Elo on recently talking oh, about you know the, the famous Michael Vick uh, shot, so good, at the old Richfield Coliseum, and then uh, we're gonna have John Starks on in a future episode to talk about you know the Bulls Knicks rivalry. So oh. Stacy likes to go back to those days and you know kind of go back in uh, memory lane and and the golden era of Bulls basketball and some of the personalities that Bulls fans remember. Real quick, didn't Craig Elo sell out his coach on the on the defensive play where he basically said he needed help, that, that he should have, Jordan should have been double teamed, or, or am I paraphrasing uh, wasn't it, wasn't it, it Wasn't it Ron Harper that said he, he wanted to guard Jordan and the coach said, no, 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 we're putting Elo on him? Yeah, if you get a chance, uh, you know, people should go back and take a listen to that because he talked to that at great length, but basically – Ron Harper uh, was was playing to the cameras in the uh, in the documentary, saying that you know I wanted to guard Jordan when that wasn't even discussed on the bench. Elo basically said, "I don't remember him saying anything like that." He said, "I talked to Brad Doherty and Larry Nance. Hey, you guys remember Ron Harper saying I want Michael on that last possession?" And they're like, "No." <laughs> then, then, I, then I guess Ron Harper said to Elo, "He goes." He goes, oh, I'm just trying to create some drama, man. So <laughs> it, was, it, was all, it was all a it's fantasy a, creation. It's a ruse. Uh, yeah. Hey, but Elo did say worked. the strategy was they wanted to get Michael cutting away from the ball, which they did accomplish. He actually, you know, cut back from the top of the key to, to, to accept the entry pass. But Nance was supposed to come over and double-team him. He, he, Nance stumbles a little bit, and then Elo's out of position. He's, he's too far to recover, and he gave, gave Michael a clear – line to that free throw line elbow area where he where he took the jump shot they totally botched the coverage oh. from a coaching standpoint to execution it was a disaster and of course the funny thing too with elo we said are you getting residuals from that gatorade commercial that ran 10 million times he goes no gatorade called me they offered me free gatorade for life <laughs> and, I, and we said you better get a better agent than that you know yeah. that, that that wasn't a good deal you made so you gotta send, yeah. send a couple cases of blue this way hey mark i appreciate you joining us today if you want to catch that episode with craig elo or any of the ones in the past make sure you check out give me the hot sauce podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you listen to your podcast. Mark, thanks for hanging out yeah. with us tonight. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to let everybody know that all of our library is available on YouTube. We all, we have the visual components of the show. We do the show live on YouTube, and all those shows exist on YouTube. So if anybody wants to catch, you know, the, the infamous Scotty Pippen episode or the Phil Jackson episode, you can go back. Just, just type in Give Me the Hot Sauce on YouTube, and you can watch any of the shows. I love it. Mark, class act. Have a great weekend, okay? Yeah, after free agency, if you guys want to give me a holler, we can talk about all the great moves that uh, AK promised. Yeah, uh, because that's what we're supposed to do. 
yeah. judge us after free agency, and that's exactly what we'll do. That's, that's what he said. Right. All right, Mark, have a good one. Uh, it's Gabe Ramirez. It's Mark Grody hanging out right now. Uh, what a good get. Craig Elo, like, talking about one of the most iconic shots in Chicago sports I, history. I, I love that kind of stuff. The Let's go back and talk about what really happened openly. on an individual play openly. And, you know— Good for Craig Elo. Craig Elo was a punchline. Like he's the poor guy that the, collapses oh, collapses to the ground. Yeah, and, and Craig Elo was a considered. He was a good defensive player. This was no slouch of an NBA defensive. He was a good NBA player, Craig yeah. Elo. But he was only to us. He wasn't even a human being. So to hear the human being and to kind of hear what really happened and them selling out their head coach, I think is very interesting too. There's a lot of that that happens in sports. So much of it, you know, like with, with like, I'm going to get this wrong, but the 1984 Cubs and Jim Fry, who was their manager, you know, making bad decisions in the rotation, like stuff that you learn years later that, you know, people were against him in that regard. But I, that was great. I always love a little bit of that. I just saw stuff. I just heard a clip of Obi Toppin from the New York Knicks. Did you see this clip? No, I've not. He, it's from the NBA playoffs where he's yelling at Tom Thibodeau. And he's like, yo, Tibbs, this guy don't know how to effing coach. What are you doing? <laughs> like in the locker room he, after the game. He was saying that about it's, Tibbs? It's, it's, I just listened to the audio today. It, okay. was, it was wild. Right. But, you know, we don't get to hear this kind. Because of, the assumption is that everybody loves their coach and everything is just, you know, flowers and daisies. And these right. Couldn't oh, and be further from the and truth. And they, they're allowed to have, to, 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 to a certain degree, they're allowed to have that give and take. Right, with their with coaches. coaches. It's sort of like the, the player-referee relationship. Yeah. They'll take it to a certain point. We're all adults here, but... If you keep saying that word, I'm going to have to throw you out of the That's game. It. Give you a little papa yeah. on the hands. A little papa. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are going to change gears, talk about some bears. That cool with you? <laughs> yeah. yeah we still, we're here, still, still here till 9 o'clock. Oh, no. I, I can't wait. Let's right. talk bears, baby. Bears talk on the other side. Uh, I've asked Clay Harbor I've, on Wednesday. I asked Anthony Heron yesterday, and I'll ask you, Grody, to put the four uh, guys who are available for contract extensions, put them in order of who you would uh, give the money to first, all the way down to number four. We'll we'll get Mark Grody's answers. On the other side, it's Gabe Ramirez, Mark Grody here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez, Mark Grody, live from 670 The Score and on the Odyssey app. Happy Friday, everybody. It is Gabe and Grody, double G, and 8 o'clock, kick off the G spot. So if it's if it's two of us, would it be plural? The G G's spot? No, I think just just let's not overcomplicate. You're right. It, it, I'm the, doing too much. The G spot, G League. No, we don't want to be the G League. <laughs> the D League. I'm the NBA. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, the question I asked you before the break: There are four guys that are eligible for contract extensions on the Chicago Bears, and I've asked Clay Harbor. I've asked Anthony Heron. I know their order, and I'm curious what your order is. But but we're going to start with number four. We're not going to start with the most. Oh, important. I got you. Okay. And we're going to start with the least important person right. out of the four people, and that is Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, mm-hmm. Cole Komet, Jalen Johnson. Out of those four guys, you know, who are you least interested in giving the money to the fastest? Oh. 
I guess at this very moment, I will say Chase Claypool. Huh. That's my four. And it's because because I haven't seen him produce in the Chicago Bears offense right. at at a, at a pace that makes me comfortable with him. That there's a next step. And you know me. I mean, I've given Chase Claypool the benefit of the doubt, but sure. he's my four right now. Let's operate under the assumption that both he and Darno Mooney have they don't get their contract extensions, and they both have similarly productive years. Let's say you know six fifty. Ooh, the head scratch. Six. I literally had niche, but I could see. 650. And then, you know, let's say seven tutties, both of them. Okay. Both. All things are equal. All things. Holding holding true for everything. Does one then have an advantage over the other with the same stats still? Or is is their, their place in Chicago Bear history going to depend on being like is their job to simply be better than the other boy i think if those if all things were equal if chase claypool and darnell mooney both have good seasons and both deserve contract extensions and like you could choose one at that point i think that they would choose chase claypool Mm. yeah i think that they would i think that i mean look this is a big move you know to have made the trade that ryan poles did to get him to give up a second rounder and to have it questioned it's it's been like topic number three all season, like Chase Claypool and is Ryan Pohl, is it worth the second round pick? So he sees that, he hears that. I don't know him well enough to know how much it bugs him, but, you know, the that is his guy, Darnell Mooney, not his draft pick, but... Likes Darnell Mooney. Loves Darnell Mooney. Like, there's nobody on that coaching staff that doesn't love Darnell Mooney, coaching staff, and the, the people above the coaching staff as well. So I would say... Yes, in that scenario, I would go Claypool over Darnell Mooney. Okay. You disagree with that? I disagree with the notion that the straw that breaks the camel's back is the fact that he traded for Chase Claypool. I think Ryan Poles is level-headed enough to be able to evaluate it and take that out and say, we are simply looking at, like, I think the person that will make that decision, honestly, Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields, like, if there's transparency there between the two of them, I'm sure there's nothing to be like, yo, Ryan, come here, AJ, AJ, AJ come here, man. <sighs> same guy, same productivity. We got DJ Moore. Who do you want as that number two? We only can keep one of these guys. And Justin Fields ultimately is going to be the guy to say who it is. It's true. Who is he more yeah, comfortable of course. with? But I think part of the reason that I said. It's Darno Mooney. The answer is right. Because what? Because they're best friends? Yeah, because <laughs> of how he talks about Chase Claypool, right? Does, yeah. It's like if, if they have similar seasons, you got to keep one of them. Justin Fields most certainly is not going to just leapfrog Darnell Mooney and be like, keep Chase. But you're saying because of their off-the-field relationship, yes. because those guys He's are... going to want to consult Justin Fields, especially if you're going to continue but to build a team that, around him. Isn't that the same thing as Ryan Poles, as Chase Claypool's friend, so to speak? That, that you know, you kind of poo-poo But he ain't idea. Justin Fields, though. Right, so Justin Fields. Will. Top of the food chain. Okay, but do you think that that's the right decision, though? Wouldn't you rather? To like ask it, Justin Fields, yes. No, 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 that's a good decision. Yeah. But but if if he's comfort, if, if those two have similarly productive seasons, as you said. <laughs> I love it. Right, to begin the thing. Yeah. Wouldn't you probably, and here's what puts me over the edge, not just the, the kind of low-hanging fruit that I pointed out. Of course, he's not one of his guys. Yeah. But. 
I think, too, that if all things are equal, don't you take the guy that's bigger and stronger and maybe a little bit faster, like the guy who still probably has a bigger upside as a wide receiver? The answer is yes. The answer is you do take Chase Claypool if they have similar seasons because of their body type. You already have a, a, a Darnell Mooney and DJ Moore. So, you know, unless you're just worried about speed and, you know, and maybe you just bring in somebody else that's bigger, you know, later or next year, you well, know, you draft a wide receiver. You can't just like the whole like, oh, just go get a big guy. There's been millions of big guys sure. that come through the Bears, for that matter, who you're like, wait, oh, this guy, De- Devin Aroma should do it. This guy's 6'3", and then he's 6'3". <laughs> Just throw him the ball, man. Oh, my God. I mean, that worked out with Alshon Jeffrey very nicely. Great, great. One of the best Bears wide receivers of all time. But, yeah, like the notion that you could just go get one of those, go up and get it, guys. Okay, I love that, though. I love that that the right answer is Chase Claypool. But the right answer also is you talk to Justin Fields, and then his right answer most certainly is going to be Darnell Mooney. So are we to presume that Justin Fields w- will have had a good enough season that he has that kind of power to, say, to put the decision over the edge? All right, well, that's a great question, and, and I do want to talk about that because okay. his over-under sitting at 2,800 yards right now. Oh, really? Have you opened up your your, your <laughs> betting been, app yet lately? It's been a long time. Okay. It's been a long time. Well, we broke up like about a month ago. <laughs> that's usually how gambling apps are. You break up with them after short short relationships oh, with gambling yeah. apps. I never hurt myself. Like I said, I won like 47 <laughs> bucks and I was out. And then you go download a different one to get the little props. Oh, over there. All right, but, but before but before uh, we go to that Justin Fields conversation, I do want you to I'll finish off your list. Oh, that's right, the list. We got four pending uh, contract extension eligible players, okay. and we're going from or least important in your mind to, to most important. We got Chase Claypool at number four, number three. Cole Komet. Ooh, I love that you have Cole Komet number three. You know I do, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because you know you, how I feel you, about you don't like Cole Komet. I didn't Cole say Komet. I don't like him. I but Clay him. Harbor, I mean, you said you worked with Clay Harbor. At, Clay Harbor and, loves him because he's a tight end. Say, yeah. But Clay, he, can't, Har- he can't love every tight end. Clay Harbor was, yeah, oh, he does. Oh, he does. <laughs> Shoot, man. Don't get me started. I've, I've been using him as my source. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. he, he's, he had Cole Komet as his number one most important signing I, out of the four. Wow. So that's no, I believe it. I believe it. But he kind of like, so I will why, say. Why Cole Komet number three, though? I will say that Clay Harbor does a pretty good job of selling. Cole Komet. I would say because I think Jalen Johnson and Darnell Mooney are ultimately more important players that can be more productive. I think I do think I like Cole Komet too. Not maybe to the level of Clay Harbor, but somewhere between you and Clay Harbor is where I stand <laughs> with Cole Komet. Like I would be, I would not be the least bit yeah. upset if Cole Cole if uh, Cole Komet was to get an extension tomorrow. But my, but he's three on my list. Yeah, my my biggest issue with Cole Komet and what has been is just that I had high expectations. For for him, he didn't live up to it. So then I kind of uh, feel a certain type of way about it. You know, he was he was outside of that, like, top five tight end space two years ago. You know, like, seventh best in receptions for tight ends. You know, had a bunch of yards. And then he thought, okay, no, Jimmy Graham, he's going to get into that, like, Mike Gusecki space. And, and that, that right behind Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey and those guys, that, that top tier tight, tight ends that live there. You know, be in the Dawson Knox area. And he wasn't. And that's what bummed me about that is that he regressed a little bit, you know, only had that three-week stretch where he did extremely well. Not to say that he can't be that person. It's just, like, where my thoughts are now in terms of, like, hey, here's all this money because you're just so awesome. No, 
know. I don't feel like that right I, now, and I, that's why I say that. I do think the thing that I clung to that that resonated from what Clay Harbor said in his case for Cole Komet, the thing that really resonated with me is that there's not a ton of elite tight ends that exist. There's also not a lot of tight ends who are particularly good at blocking. And Cole Komet he did point did, that out. Yeah, and it's it was just a, a good reminder that sometimes just because we see these unbelievable tight ends in the NFL m- making a huge difference for their offenses, those guys, like, there's like, what, four or five of those guys? Yeah, that's what that I'm saying. we could just rattle off, and the rest of them – Good luck. So I think that like the idea that Cole Komet is, while not elite and not even like great, a a good representative tight end in the NFL is what he is. So right. that that's the part that resonated with me that he said. Not necessarily like I think he's gonna you know, be a thousand yard receiver. It's just like here's some perspective on what tight ends actually sure. are in the NFL right now. And, and I think not all uh, Kelsey. But we we want Cole Komet. We are talking about Bears fans. We want Cole Komet to be a guy like that, that can get, you know, 10, 12 touchdowns a season. Absolutely. Like, I don't care that he can block well. That's awesome. Great. Like, what? Like, that's not why we brought him in here. The Bears brought him in here. But uh, PFF, John Costco, top 15 tight ends. Cole Komet's nowhere near there. He's not even in the top 15. Bro, come on. Okay. Like, I I get it. Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, fine. Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, understand. But, like, and throw Kyle Pitts in there. But if you're not in, like, the Pat Firemuth from the Pittsburgh Steelers zone, if you're not in the Dalton Schultz area for the Houston Texans. What do you think they're going to give Cole Komet, though? They're not going to break the bank for Cole Komet. They're not going to give him something representative of the leap, A. They shouldn't. So, then they're not. They're, I don't think that he's – if you're worried about that, I wouldn't be worried about that. I mean, I think that Cole Komet's not going to go – Go in there and you know say, ah, oh, yeah, I'm from Chicago and everything. Everybody loves Cole Komet and like I'll accept this, but he's not gonna get that that sort of elite tight end money. If you're worried about that, is that what you're worried about? Come here. I'm worried about them overpaying and, and liking a guy that they. Sh- I'm worried uh, about them liking him too much. Oh, okay, so you think that they may over and and overpay exactly. Too. Okay, well they have. I can't argue with you on that, considering the way they have talked about him at every single opportunity. You know, Ryan Poles called, singled him out as one of the blue chip players from last year's season, where they lost ten in a row. But I, I do have him at three, so it's not okay. like I am. You know, so, against. so you have Jalen and you have Darnell Darn- left, right? So I'll go. Uh, drum roll, please. Darnell Mooney, number two, and thus I think the most important free agent to be on this team is Jalen Johnson. I love this because both you, Anthony Heron, and myself have the same rankings. Are you serious? Yeah. We had had Jalen number one, Darnell number two, Cole Komet number three, and Chase Claypool number four. I was kind of hoping you'd say there are three different cards and we're going to read them to you next. I wish. that's, That's interesting. Clay Harbor had... I think you have Jalen number four or three. Jalen number three. The dissenting Clay Harbor. He's like, well, he his his assumption was that the Bears have drafted all these defensive backs to be replacements as opposed to create depth, and that's what I said. I said, I said, no, no, no. They're bringing in these guys so that they don't have to worry about the defensive back position for the next two years. That's why they're doing this. Yeah, lock they can it focus up. on other things, not not so that that way they can replace 
Jalen Johnson didn't have to worry about bringing in more cornerbacks in this space. So he's thinking that Tyreek Stevenson may have been brought in to replace Jalen yes. Johnson as opposed to, hey, there's somebody exactly. on the other side of the field other than Kyler Gordon or Kendall Vildor or Josh Blackwell or Jalen Jones. Yeah. Oof. He did. We were talking about some cool stuff where we were saying, you know, if all those guys are operating at their highest level, who is the most important in their respective position when you're comparing it to the other? And I said it was Jalen Johnson. Like, if you get a top five cornerback in the league, you're you're like far and away better than other teams in that space. Oh yeah, but and, like, he, and Ryan Poles has singled that position out as when he was talking about the draft that that is one of the elite needed most important right. positions on the you know duh. But Poles did say it too. So so if that adds to you know backs up or confirms what we're thinking that's possible i mean unfortunately it just feels like with the the receivers that you know mooney has been good but it's it's, it's a replaceable player you know yeah it sucks so, to say that that's but, why you got tyler scott there right the assumption is that he's going to be able to do something to allow the bears to then have to think about what they're going to do with that well wide receiver I, I don't even know like that's just that goes back to my just keep adding players like the whole when, when we discussed the idea that the Bears should be done working on their offense just because they have DJ Moore yeah. and, the, and Darnell Wright. You, we're done. You're kidding me. Yeah, we're good. We've had a franchise history worth of bad offense, and people are like, yeah, we're good. We're fine. We got DJ Moore. We're set. That That's it. There's no reason to go get Tyler Scott. There's no reason to get a veteran wide receiver. Clay Harbor has the Bears having a top 12 offense. As of right now. Top right 12. now. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd lean towards the 12 part of that <laughs> right now. Interesting. Okay, so how, he just, because of all the reasons that we all talk about, because the offensive line is set, because they have DJ Moore, because Justin Fields. So there's nothing. Yes. All, like, I want to hear, like, God bless him. I'm glad that he thinks that. But I'd like to, I'd like a little bit more evidence that yeah. to, to, if the Bears are going to make a jump, I really want somebody to tell me, like what exactly it is that's going to happen other than DJ Moore. And I guess that shouldn't be taken lightly either. And I don't. I don't take him lightly. DJ Moore over under yards 780. Over. Are you sure? I am sure. You think he's going to be a thousand yard receiver? Gabe, look at me. Let's make a bet. I've been at the OTAs. I've seen it all. Someone has to get him the ball. <laughs> I, I, well, see, so then that goes back to if Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney are healthy and good, then you got all sorts of possibilities for DJ Moore. So right now you're sitting here, you're going to tell under. me the under, under on DJ. What was the over under again? Seven, 780. You are crazy. The under. Under. Whoa. 657, 683. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Just because you just don't you don't trust Justin Fields to get him the football enough, and I'm not trying to walk you into some something you don't want to walk into, but I, but why? I cannot envision an offense that involves a run heavy attack with multiple receivers that you're going to have to feed along with are the tight ends that you're just mentioning where there's enough to be spread around if you look at those numbers to say, oh, yeah, I think Justin Fields is going to – the over Vegas is setting the over-under at 2,800. Not me. The Vegas is. They're the smart ones, right? So you're telling me that out of those 2,800, 
DJ Moore is going to account for a third of it. Didn't Darnell Mooney have a thousand yard season a couple of years ago? Yeah. I mean, like, but Darnell Mooney th- and nobody else. Well, Allen Robinson was well, hurt for a lot of that year. Uh, oh yeah, you know, Kokomet was. No, doing but that's it. what I'm saying. Like, even when it was Mitch Trubisky and Allen Robinson, I mean, Allen Robinson had some really nice one thousand yard seasons yeah. with the Bears, even when they were losing, and you had other receivers that weren't as good. Grody, I hope I'm wrong. Right, that's that's really what this is. It's 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 a proclamation where I hope that it is incorrect. Yeah, yeah. but does that make sense to you? Like, no, I get it. That that even even Darnell Mooney has gotten a thousand yards in this offense. Like, I think DJ Moore is more capable <laughs> of doing. I think he's more capable than maybe even. Are the Bears going to be blown out in a lot of these games? I don't think so. N- neither do I. And I think Darnell Mooney getting a thousand yards is a result of the Bears losing in the fourth quarter. Teams playing cover two, sitting back, and him scraping together a couple of these 80-yard, 100-yard games at the very tail end of the, of the season. That's fair. That's a fair way to look All at right. it. We're, yeah. going we're gonna to keep talking about yeah. Justin Fields, that over-under sitting at 2,800. Um, Mark Grody and I are going to do that and uh, continue the conversation about the Bears uh, right after this. It's Gabe Ramirez, Mark Grody, on a Friday here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Gabe Ramirez, Mark Grody, live from 670, The Score, and on the Odyssey app. We are going to be with you every step of the way. Nobody caught. Nobody picked up what I was putting on right there. What's the song? Oh, Grody. old school, man. You're a Bobby Browner? I mean, there's some Bobby Brown music that you can't help but liking. My R&B like, love came from my sister. She's older than me. And so she would always listen to stuff like this, like Boys to Men. So like, I would always, you know. Yeah. And my sister, uh, this is so funny. We were talking about... My, my family, like my dad, my he's my stepfather, but he's raised me since I was five. So when I call him my dad, and people get confused because he's Cuban, and I'm all Puerto Rican. But I mention my Cuban father often, but people think I'm Cuban because of it. But he's my stepfather. But he grew up like blocks from, he was born in Cuba, but then came to Chicago when he was three. And he grew up uh, near Wrigley Field in the high rises over there. And, you know, Cuban kid growing up in that area, it was, you know, Black kids and white kids. There was no Latinos over mm. there. So he gravitated more towards, you know what I'm saying, people that were listening to R&B and people that were growing up in that lifestyle. Yeah. And so, like, in my house growing up, that's all we listened to. Like, All My Love for Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, that's cool, Vandross, man. So like, you got a lot of hit. You know the old school. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So we were actually talking about that on Father's Day. We were all trying to say our favorite R&B crooners. And people, my family knows that I'm a huge fan of Drew Hill. That was like more my era of R&B. And I do like Music Soul Child as well. Going to go see him at City Winery, by the way. Sick. And my sister was like, I think it's Luther Vandross. And then you just take a moment and you think about his voice and his songs and his catalog. And you're like, yeah, Luther Vandross is probably like a top three vocalist in the R&B space. Who who would you say is yours, Groats? Because I know uh, you listen to that music. Yeah, uh, top three. Or no, just one. Just one that would fall in the top three. Um, Someone or some group that would fall in the top three for you. Like the old, you know what? You know who? Stevie Wonder. Oh, like, and, and I will say this. I'm going to give a little, like, I, I know the hits of Stevie. Everybody yeah. knows the stuff. Matt Spiegel, who is a huge fan of Stevie Wonder. Okay. Like, that might that. be, that might be, like, which is wild because of all of Spiegel's musical influence and all of his musical experience. I think he considers Stevie Wonder his top guy. I guess I, until he 
really talked about like he consistently talks about him. Yeah. I didn't really realize how rich and the music was and like cuz you hear the hits. Like that's what I would hear. The hits, yeah. the hits. And the hits are unbelievable, but when you actually dive into it a little bit, I have really learned to appreciate him more than I ever thought yeah. I would. Anytime so. you can go see an artist that you're probably singing along to 95% of their set and you didn't even know right. you knew that much. You know what I mean? Like, that's how you, how many hits they've had. You know, that's when you know you got somebody good. Stevie Wonder, that's a great one. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of hits. And I had, and I, that's cool, though, to, to learn that you are Cuban. But go on. I'm not Cuban. I'm Puerto Rican, fool. <laughs> Cesar Perez, he's Puerto Rican, too. <gasps> oh, okay. That's right. Boricua's over here taking over. You ganging up on me? What's going on here? Huh? Shout out Humble Park. Shout out Humble Park. <laughs> Shout out. I got so many jokes that are just Go inappropriate ahead. right now. No, no, they're just inappropriate. They're just, okay. I'm not going to do it right now. All right. All right. Uh, you, could, you could text in who your favorite R&B crooner is. 312-644-6767. Cuba. And then we're going to come back. Uh, the What is it? The Buena Vista Social Club. Nice little jazz, little salsa, little oh, R&B okay. vocalist. Celia Cruz, big time Cuban. See? Oh, okay. And I know your favorite Cuban artist, Pitbull. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Dale. Dale. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk of about course. We're going to talk Oh, about, I know him. Yeah. Did I you, know all about him. He's the guy on TV in the commercials. Did you know who else is Cuban? Justin Fields. Looks like he could be a little, little, little dark skinned Cuban guy. Really? Yeah, a little light skinned Cuban guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're going to talk about our favorite Cuban on the other side. Oh, great. Let's all keep right. the Cuban conversation going here, <laughs> Justin folks. Justin Fields or Justin Fielze. By the way, it's Cuba. They prefer it's Cuba. It's so Cuba. Pretty, oh, Cuba. Yeah, my okay. bad. That's yeah, okay. That is your bad. Usually that just flows for you. <laughs> yeah, I got Cuba. You. Cuba. The day uh, Mark Grody corrects me on a Latino name. Is that what's going through your head right now? No, not quite. <laughs> I don't think so, it's Mark jokes, Grody. It's the jokes that I was going to say a couple oh, of seconds. Oh, you're still thinking about before, those. I can tell you those right now. All right, uh, nice. Justin Fields chat right after this. It's Gabe Ramirez, Mark Grody on a Friday here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.